Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting as Eligible episode, I actually forget, I should, <laughs> it's been a rough week already, it is the entering the bye week, We've already, we're already in the bye week, we're already on vacation, um, that's why I forgot, so um, anyway, you can read the number on your podcast machine, so it doesn't matter if I say it or not. Um, unfortunately, we are not with JR this week, he is, um, he, I, I believe he's seeing Hamilton this evening, which is a good reason to miss a podcast recording. I will try to keep my dropping of Hamilton lines in this podcast at a minimum. And, uh, yeah, so with with us as always, though, however, is still... Uh, my name is Matt, but you can call me Matub, and uh, I promise you I am not drunk. Uh, I'm using a different microphone this week, yep. so I sound a little voice modulated. Yeah, when, uh, I feel like when JR is not here, everything is always just a little bit off. Like, everything's just a hair different. It's a little bizarro universe. Um, he, he's, he's the great organizer and uh and and topic mover alonger of the group so um it's always weird when he's gone uh, but you know hope he's enjoying himself have a good time jr enjoy yourself um yeah he definitely wrote his way out out of this podcast don't throw away your shot <laughs> oh he stole our cannons <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll work it more organically. I just don't want to bot back and forth all day. We'll get sued by Lin Manuel no, Miranda. That's I'm no gonna, good. I'm going to force these puns, man. You're, you're going to force. <laughs> I guess I'm helpless. So. <laughs> okay. So football happened this week. Yes, yes, yes. We had we had a a, a good game. A little bit of a weird game, but uh, it it was uh, the Packers came away with a nice win, a nice eight point win, twenty four to sixteen. Um, played pretty well. Had had a an always fun snow globe environment, um, which make for some of the best Green Bay games, even if they do impair the play just a, a little bit. But um, had a nice comeback, bounce back effort after a bit of a downer last week. Um, so that was that was nice to see. And what what I liked more than anything else is so they didn't run the ball maybe as much as I thought they might. But 26 carries for running backs, and I think the only reason that they really didn't run more is because um, penalties kept putting them in bad spots where that was not going to work just in picking up first downs. But um, that's fine. Aaron Jones was excellent. Jamal Williams was quite good. Um, even though they weren't in the passing game quite as much as usual, they were both super efficient and uh, good Good to see Matt LaFleur like, reacting and learning and going back to, I think, what he does best. Um, so yay for that. Um, any any initial reactions to this one, Matt? Um, there was uh, something that I, I mentioned to Zach Cruz on Twitter the other day. I said that um, the Rodgers magic was there in a lot of plays, but it was also incredibly absent in a lot. Yeah, that's very so true. He had some jaw droppers, but then he also was like missing wide open reads and airmailed a couple into the end zone. But then, of course, you get like like just the, that amazing 
like hip whip throw to get into an impossible window 40 yards down the field and Devontae makes a great catch. <laughs> that throw is absolutely fantastic on that play. That was it such was a bananas. Um, which also I should bring up uh, the meme of the week, Dak dances to everything. <laughs> have you seen that? I have not. Um, there's a, a video of Dak Prescott warming up. By I have. Flipping, I didn't know it was called that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it turns into a meme called Dak dances to everything and people put different music behind it. But uh, Roger's throw, that amazing dime to Devontae, was a very, like, hippie throw if you watch the his footwork. Um, and it reminded me of that. But anyway, uh, they also did some things I didn't expect. It was second and 26, and they converted. Yeah. I fully expected that. When was the last time you punt. saw that? That's what teams do against us. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So even more impressive because Carolina does have an excellent pass defense, and um, even though Rogers, uh, this is this is a good like stats versus advanced stats versus scouting um, game for Rogers because um, by DVOA he had a really good game. He was the fifth ranked quarterback of the week, um, even though he didn't throw any touchdown passes. Just was because it DVOA or DYAR. Uh, sorry, you're right. It was DYAR. They put that one out first. So, um, but uh, you know he didn't have a I think jaw dropping game by any stretch and. Um, just by virtue of the fact that Carolina's past events is good, he got a huge defensive adjustment um, up. But like, I do think he just left a ton of yards on the field that could have been even better. So, um, you know, he, he had that slightly that weather probably affected this, but that slightly underthrown ball to Devonte, where he had a touchdown um, deep over the middle if Rogers hits him in stride. And yeah, Devonte had to wait for that ball. He had to wait for that ball, and he probably still should have caught it, but. Um, you know, maybe you blame Devonte for not getting the catch, but you got to blame Rodgers for not getting another, you know, fifty yards on that catch. Um, if there was, if there were a couple more air yards under the ball, it's not a contested catch. Yep, Devontae it's it's the easiest catch of the day, and he and he's gone. Um, and then at the end of the half, he missed several wide open receivers near the end zone, uh, where they really should have gotten a touchdown. Aside from being stuffed, um, he missed Alan Lazard wide open. He missed Geronimo Allison very wide open, um, and he he had he had some problems. Still, um, not seeing the field, I think, as well as we would expect. There was bad weather. There's snow. I can see why your um, you know your quick decision vision maybe impacted a little bit. But uh, good game for Rodgers in terms of you know facing a tough defense. Running game helped out and bailed him out, but. Um, it's still a little concerning to see him missing some of the throws that, you know, eight years ago he never would have missed in a million years. Well, that's this kind of goes back to the whole, um, you who was it that just said this? They think they were quoting Bill Simmons. They said that, like, when you have an aging superstar like that, you uh, hope for the magic, but you don't rely on it. Like, you don't build around. He does. Rodgers doesn't have to be Rodgers all the time right. anymore. Um, I do. Forget, that is a Bill Simmons quote. I forget who brought it up this week, though. But, but yeah, and um, you know they're well constructed for that now. That's yeah, and like when you look at Aaron Jones, um, he had uh, was it thirteen rushes and nine were against the stack box. Yes. Um, that's, like, so, it, yeah, sixty nine percent. Yeah, he was nice. Yeah. <laughs> he was successful running against the stack box, which is something that I mean, when is the last time a running back? regularly faced an eight-man box for the Packers. And it has been quite a long time. Um, you just don't do that against Aaron, and it, it's starting to happen more and more. Like, legitimately, it had to be, like, Lacey during the Flynn year, right? Yeah, I'm sure that, yeah. 
Well, okay, excluding the Kaiser Flynn games from this, because probably a lot during those times. But with Aaron, probably almost never. Um, This is probably unprecedented. Probably 2008. Yep. Probably 2008. This was, but uh, it was an absolute nail biter of a game. (laughs) I personally, looking back on games like this, I enjoy the memory of more than the experience. I don't like cardiac pack games. I don't either. And especially like that last drive where it was just so drawn out and it was over like five times and Mm -hmm. just things kept happening over and over and over again. Uh, Just getting down to that final inch. Like I would, I was sure McCaffrey was going to score there. Um, Big ups to, to Fackrell and it was Kenny Clark on the backside, right? It, so it was uh, um, actually the rumor has it that Blake Martinez is the one who told Kyler to shoot that gap. Oh, good for Blake! Best thing he yeah. did all game. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, even so, aside from all of that, so <laughs> the the pa- Panthers ran. Uh, this is the the last play of the game. The Panthers are spread out in shotgun with McCaffrey next to Kyle Allen, and uh, like all. All you have to do to get him to score... This is, by the way, like the play that I would kind of like the Packers to have run at the end of their first half instead of stacking heavy. It almost always works. And then if the Packers are going to stuff it, the last guy I think is going to stuff it is Kyler Fackerel, who is Absolutely. who is not heavy, who is not a run stopper. I, why was he even on the field? That's weird. No idea. So, no idea. Well, it, it's it's one of the weirdest plays of the year that Kyler Fackrell stopped a one yard run from happening, kind of by himself. <laughs> yeah, and also like against the the front runner for MVP yes, that isn't a quarterback. Exactly, the running back MVP front runner uh, got stoned by Kyler. That that is a weird way to end a game. I don't want to ever end a game like that again because it will never <laughs> ever work again. Um, but I mean, it did, and good good for him getting back there. That was just absolutely insane and just terrible to watch because it looked like it was going to be a touchdown. It it looked all the way like it was going to be a score. Um, it, just agonizing. And that offsides penalty two plays before with Preston Smith, which was very very close. Like you, close. It's on the line. So we discussed this. You yeah. and I are on opposite sides of that. Uh, I think it was close enough that like I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm not like I don't think it was a bad call. Um, by any stretch, it's just timing-wise. Well, watching it live, he's he's not lined up offsides, but he does flinch, and the ball is snapped sometime around the time he gets back across the line. Yeah, I agree with all that. And, and it's, so it looked, it's it really, really live. close. So it, it looked bad, for sure. But, like, the game was over, and that flag came out super late, too, um, like, like five seconds after the play was over. Well, I mean, Jerome Bozier has... Famously had some. Oh, sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. That's all right. Uh, Jerome Berger has famously had some weird calls against the Packers. Um, there was one of TJ uh, Lang's last one of TJ Lang's last uh, games as a Packer. He got called for illegal block in the back when he had his hand on a player's chest. <laughs> that, and that's incredible. Yeah, and it was Jerome Bozier who threw that flag. Uh-huh. So um, I, I just. I don't get it. that. That's when you get the famous the the, the TJ Lang gif where he goes, "What? Oh my god!" Oh yeah, I remember that. That's yeah, what that's from. So, okay, from Jerome, huh? That's what that's from. And yeah. The only reason I remember is I did an entire hottest take of the week episode about that call. 
<laughs> Indeed. Where I explain the physics of pushing someone in the back is impossible by pushing on their chest. Yeah. That I remember that very well. So I'm also I'm annoyed at that call also because like the refs had a huge impact in this game, which is always an annoying thing to have happen. And it, it, it did it did go both ways. So like um, whether that was a bad call or not, it was super close. It's fine. But um, I did just the EPA breakdown for this game this morning, and of the eleven most impactful plays in the game, four of them were penalties, um, and. Some other big ones weren't captured quite as well, but were also huge. But like the 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 Rogers Gerald McCoy penalty in the end zone, where he rolled over on him, but did a pretty good job of not hurting him. Was yeah. that was a huge play against the Panthers that probably shouldn't have been called. Um, and they got uh, the Packers also got bailed out on two defensive holding slash defensive secondary penalties on third downs that kept drives going. Mm-hmm. But the Packers, like, also just on random holding and offsides penalties, basically had the run taken away from them, which resulted in a few punts. So, like, yeah. it, it's just annoying to see the refs having as big of an impact on the game as the actual players. Like, four of 11 plays where the refs are the biggest factor. I mean, there's three entities here. <laughs> that means that there were seven plays split between the two teams in that right. in that like that's an, that's dumb like we had we had a question last week about what they like getting rid of a penalty or two that the NFL should maybe consider and like they have too many penalties that are too impactful and it's just too hard to officiate this like they're swinging games it's dumb for their for enjoyability and credibility so i hope yeah. it goes away so i uh i had someone at me the other day asking about why Zedarius's play was blown dead um, because the NFL at this point is getting too confusing between offsides and neutral zone infractions. Yep. And um, it's actually it's something I would like to address in more than a tweet. Um, due to it's actually it's kind of a anti-Aaron Rodgers rule, <laughs> um, players are now being coached where if they get caught by a hard count, they're supposed to touch an offensive lineman. Because it prevents the free play. Yep. Um, so Zadarius committed a neutral zone infraction because I think the reasoning there was because it forced an offensive lineman to react. So if if you just go off sides and you bounce back and the offensive line doesn't react, that's a free play. But if the offensive line reacts, it's a neutral zone infraction. Okay. And so that's why that's, that's why Zadarius's play was blown dead. Got it. Okay. That's silly. That's a that's ridiculous distinction. Like yeah. <laughs> you can mitigate so it, post post play, you can mitigate the consequences of your mistake. That's right. That shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> so here's here's something that I I kind of thought was weird. Um, not once uh, on the final drive did Christian McCaffrey run a Texas route. Oh, that is weird. Do you think they just forgot about it in the heat of the moment? I think it was the field condition. Oh, that. That is a good call. It was not I think good. He could not make. He could not reasonably make an angled cut without falling. Right. Down. That cut was going to allow people to catch up with him. So, or yeah. or he'll fall down. Yes. But that would have been an excellent callback. Um, for for those who don't know, this is the famous um, the famous play. It was AJ Hawk, right? It was a clay. Oh no, you're thinking of the clay Matthews. It was clay. Okay, Matthews. it was clay. Yeah. Watch the wheel. Watch the wheel. Yeah. Oh, so, you've been watching film, huh? Watch that. <laughs> where, where Cam Newton t- told clay, clay Matthews that he made the wrong diagnosis of the play five seconds before the play happened, and then made him pay for it by yes. hit, hitting a Texas route to Christian McCaffrey instead of a wheel route yes. um, from the ten yard line. Yes, it's it a was, it's a great clip. 
I fully, I fully, fully, fully saw that play coming. And <laughs> the fact that we watched Christian McCaffrey just kind of like leak out into the flat three times in a row, um, made me really think about like why they didn't run an angle. So and it had to be the, it just had to be. I don't think Petten had a great game, but he did. Um, he forced their hand a little bit. He did usually keep um, a fast guy, Savage, or someone else on McCaffrey um, to really. To, I mean, McCaffrey had a bad day. Bad day in the passing game. He, I think, he had six catches for thirty-three yards, something like that. Um, and you know that's why the Carolina receivers and Craig Olson, um, who is you know the the Jimmy Graham of the Panthers, um, actually did quite a lot of damage. Um, but you know that was kind of intentional, which it's one of those things where like Petten, I don't like him that much, but occasionally he's got a decent idea, but it still looks kind of ugly. Like that's smart. Yeah. You took McCaffrey away, but you got kind of destroyed by two other guys. Um, so the the um, that's the story of the '97 Super Bowl. Yeah, the, yeah, that kind of is. And the and it's like you take one person away, and. Well, it's sorry, not the ninety. I'm thinking the '98 Super Bowl, uh, Broncos Falcons. Okay. Falcons talked all week about how they were going to take away Terrell, Terrell Davis, Davis. And, yeah. and they did. He had a he had a relatively pedestrian game, but Elway carved him up and rode off into the sunset with his second ring. Um, and that's that was uh, that, that's kind of the the first game I can remember watching with a analytical mindset, I guess. Not necessarily, but like being smart yeah, enough yeah. to understand football beyond watch the ball. Yeah, and, and looking back, like like Elway did diddly in the '97 Super Bowl. He was awful. Was, he was completely <laughs> awful. Um, but he for sure won the '98. Like he that. did. Uh, but yeah, so it's and but Petten kind of does that to mild success. Yep, <laughs> to mild success. Um, well, <laughs> No, oh, sorry, to the to the tune of top ten DVOA yeah. every single year. So I do think we should maybe cut him a little bit of slack in this game too, because one of the bigger plays happened when I think this is Kevin King's fault when everybody on the team was playing man and Kevin King played zone and yep. and just let a guy run completely free. Um, everybody else got the message of what the play call was except him, yep. so it's probably his fault. Um, you know what's really funny is Twitter was really mad at Blake about that play for not communicating properly since he was the... uh, no because uh blake was the person who realized that kevin bailed on his man oh and okay and so it so, looked bad so he got he got close enough to the receiver to make yeah. it look like he missed the pass defense all right well that was okay poor blake that's not on blake at all that's like fixing a mistake not causing one um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean that was one of the worst plays of the game that was a lot of their passing yardage and you know i don't think that was Penn's fault i think he actually called the pretty good defense there if king would have stayed with this guy everybody was covered um i also i also saw an out route being defended by preston smith he did go into coverage on that play however he was in pretty good position on it so <laughs> but still like like what the hell man <laughs> like, it's like like when when capers used to send uh, peppers out into coverage it's like why <laughs> just just for game theory that's it make show it on tape Make them prepare for it. You know how you prepare uh, for it? Well, <laughs> you hope it happens, and then you pass to the guy he's covering. <laughs> well, that's just like 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 BJ Rashi goes down with a career targeted passer rating of zero. Yep. 
Indeed. I don't know. I just think that's being a little too cute for cute sake. Yeah, uh, no, I I kind of agree with that. There's probably a time for it. I don't know what that time is, but um. So I, I mean, also on the other hand, they were also an inch away from giving up another touchdown. So yeah, um, you know, Take it, take it for what it's worth. Um, but, but man, the football is a game of inches. It really is. Like ask, ask, um, ask the Titans how important a couple inches is. Yep, and you know Packers could also head by the same virtue another touchdown at the end of the half too. So. Um, and and should have three I can, times. I can still feel that hit in my soul. Yeah, that was not good. Uh, that play call was bad. Execution was worse. And uh, Cox said that that uh, there was some kind of tell. He wouldn't say exactly what it was, but in, in an interview, he said that he knew exactly where the play was going to go. Well, maybe the tell was that they ran a bunch formation and then ran it right up the middle because. <laughs> That's sort of the base play of that formation when you line up for it. That's my big problem with it. Like, I hate it when you tell the other team what you're going to do, and that's what they did there, and that's what McCarthy always did. Like when McCarthy would bring out Jumbo. Yep, friggin' Jumbo. Like, you know what's going to happen. It was that. Like, don't do that. Like, if you're going to use that formation, at least pass out of it, or, like, do a counter. I I wanted to see the the, uh, tackle report as eligible. And Rodgers do play action fullback dive. Totally. Throw to to a number in the 70s. (laughs) That would be a welcome change. Hopefully they're saving it for a good surprise. Maybe against the 49ers. Um, Who is the swing tackle this year? Oh, shoot. Um, Alex Light? It's got to be Alex Light. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe if they did jumbo, Alex Light could get a touchdown. Yeah, maybe so. I talked about my Jason Spriggs Madden experience, right? You did, where he became a tight end, which he should have yeah, been all along. He had terrible catching. So, yeah, well. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, so real football happened, and no real football is going to happen next week. I'm a little, I don't know what to do with my hands. It's always a bummer on the bye week. It's, it's not fun. It's for us, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like we're always early, um, and there's usually complaints about it being early. It, timing-wise, it's probably about as good as you can get in terms of the team recovering and whatnot, but um, there was a, well, there was a great tweet a few years ago when the team had like a week four bye week and it was you that said it. Uh, they got out of their, their game right after the bye and like, cause it was an early, early, early bye. Yep. And they got out of their game out of the bye and like four starters had gone down in, in week five. <laughs> and you said something along the lines of, Oh man, they could really use the bye week to rest up. <laughs> <laughs> And so they did. Uh, no, no, they didn't. They, it was awful. <laughs> I think that might have been 2015. It was. It was. I do not ago. remember this at all. Yeah, I like. I have a weird encyclopedic knowledge of old tweets and movie quotes. It, for a while, there we had an odd number of teams for a while, right? weren't, weren't they doing a week one buy for a while? Um. I have no idea. I got to look that up later. I think that happened, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, Because one team had to rest every week. So, Uh, hmm. Eh, Look it up later. NFL bye week. Yeah. You know what? The other other big hidden play in this game. um, Yeah. And I, I am like I said, my brain's already in the bye week and on vacation. But Crosby got another crack at a field goal in this game too, right? After missing. Yes, he, he, um, oh, actually, it's really funny. So, um, my mom was in town for the game 
And when it was third and super duper long, uh, and it looked like they were they were going for it, I told my mom I was like I was like what I would personally do here is we're on a like a draw play or a screen and try and get another five yards because that makes this into a forty six yard field goal which is well within Mason's yep. range. And my mom was like I was like don't you want the points? And I was like well this is it would set up for the points. They take a shot play it misses Crosby misses the fifty two yard yep. field goal. Uh, it becomes a 46 yard field goal and he makes it. And my mom's like, Jesus, like, how did you? <laughs> the, well, that you watch enough football. Yep. He's especially in that weather and he's much better closer in. Although, you know, he had 54 yard the other day, but in that weather, 46 yards is not a gimme. No, not at all. Nothing's a gimme there. He, uh, so yeah, that was, so Crosby definitely had his second shot. Uh, the other thing that I would like to backtrack to, you you were mentioning the top 11 plays by EPA. I did 11 just to get that last one in there. So just, And the last one was the Rodgers. The Rodgers uh, uh, sack. Roughing the pass. Yeah, roughing the passer. Not sack. He actually got the pass off. So if, if you were to frame that differently, you could say that by EPA, the quote-unquote bad flag in the end zone isn't even a top 10 play. That is literally the correct, yeah. It, yeah, so I think... I think if it's framed that way, the the casual observer who's not like an EPA diehard, yeah, would go, fair okay, enough. That wasn't one of the top ten most important plays of the game. <laughs> true, very true. Still, still a very important play. <laughs> but it wasn't top. But it 10. was not top ten. There People were... only care about top ten. Yep. Ah, <sighs> oh, man, what a game. Yep. No, not what a game. Agonizing. Glad it's over. Glad we got a win. Yes. Eight and two is good. <laughs> and also, um, to any Vegas watchers, the Packers are seventh and three against the spread. That's actually interesting because they have so many one-score victories that it's mm-hmm. it. You would expect them to be like fifty-fifty against the spread or something along those lines. They've been favored by less than a touchdown most of the time. All right, and like they came, the line opened against Carolina at minus five, and I think it was minus four and a half at game time. Okay, so, that makes more sense then, I suppose. So if Carolina would have scored that touchdown and then missed the two-point conversion, the they would have covered, and the Packers would be 6-4 uh, and four against the spread. All right, so it's <laughs> it's all just a matter of basic randomness and you know, unpredictability more than Pretty anything much, else. Yeah, the, the Packers are getting really lucky in these one-score games. They are. And they're also getting really lucky with turnovers. Yep. That <laughs> also true, um, and uh, also especially down near the end zone. So a couple good end zone or uh, close to the goal line stats here. Um, Kyle Kyle Allen did not complete a pass um, in the red zone. Um, so good good job on the the Packers Ben, but don't break there. <laughs> and <laughs> and the one intercept they keep getting interceptions when they get them. The Packers' interceptions are always like very dramatic. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. They're always, almost always in the end zone. Um, I mean, that one was you know tipped by Amos, caught by Tremon, um, and they they are bailed out of bad situations by their turnovers. I think more than your average turnover-based team is. So sure. uh, we we talk a lot about like what's sustainable with them and what's not, and you know they keep giving up yards. Um, they keep letting people go up and down the field that they keep people to field goals but like their turnovers have really turned some games more than 
than you would even expect a turnover to do. I feel like all of them are turnover and a half. Um, like Amos has been a part of at least a couple of them. Um, it, it's good. It's good that they're better at defense close to the end zone to that extent. But it does worry me going forward that that's not going to keep up. Then again, they only play garbage quarterbacks going forward, so that yeah, could be wrong. And we're assuming that that Stafford is out the rest of the year, right? I I, I mean, he might not be. Uh, it sounds bad. Like he has broken bones in his back, and three, three broken bones in his back. Yeah, so he's week to week, and he might play again. And they don't, it's not like they play the Lions right away. He's got time to recover. Uh, but I also think their season's probably going to be over by then. So, like, why um, why risk him at that point, even if he is kind of healthy? Speaking of quarterback news, did you hear the big news this evening? I might not have. Um, Colin Kaepernick is going to have a private NFL workout in Atlanta on Saturday. Oh, cool. Uh, mul- multiple teams will be represented. That's all right. That's good. You and know, uh, the rumor is that there will be coaches there. Is, is the rumor, Does it, did that include, do, you, do we know if Greg Roman's going to be there? <laughs> I don't know if okay. Greg Roman's going to be there. And this is not just uh, a, this is not just a comp to, um, uh, to Lamar Jackson. Um, he was, uh, Roman was the Kaepernick's coach last time he was good. So, um, yeah. it would be a good backup fit just coach wise, um, and style wise, I think. Yeah. I, I think that that would be a good, yeah. Um, especially with the the dual quarterback option. Yep. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That was amazing. <laughs> now, um, this was also partially to buy time because I was looking for something that you posted on Twitter during the game. <laughs> uh, a, a Twitter poll: uh, Does the leave guys wide open and hope for red zone stops defense work in the modern NFL? Six uh, percent said yes. Thirty-eight <laughs> percent said no. And fifty-six percent said Petten. <laughs> That's the correct answer. <laughs> They identified the poll. So, um, um, I would also like to take some credit for uh, a Nostra- Nostradamus-esque take. Um, when the Panthers started their final drive, I said, wow, I can't wait for them to play against soft zone and get into the red zone in 45 seconds. <laughs> um, they got to the 25-yard line with one minute and 10 seconds. So, so it, I This bothers me, far. not just about our defense and Patton, but like, why do teams and defensive coordinators always assume that the game is going to end with the other team running out of time. Like that never, ever, ever happens. No team ever runs out of time. Like you run out of time. If there's like 20 seconds left and you have no timeouts, that's it. It's, it's this weird dichotomy of like, we can't give up the big play, but then like define a big play. Yeah. Big play. like, Like three plays of 10 yards in less than 40 seconds. Might as well be one play of 30 yards. Absolutely. And also, like, so to win the game, and this proved to be true, even though the game ended with Carolina having the ball, like, the Packers, oh, actually, I take that back. What what down was it when they ran out of time? Was it fourth, or what, did they get a penalty that it gave was, them? It was uh, it was either second or third down, because it was the, the penalty gave them fresh set of downs on the one on the one okay so they did actually run out of time <laughs> never yeah, they so okay ran out of they time. technically ran out of time um i actually why didn't i not look into this how much time did they start that play with Because they had done two passes uh there was there was two there was uh, four seconds left when they threw a pass okay and so and probably then, so that was the last play of the game well in any case like the panthers had 
many, many shots at the end zone before the game ended. Yeah. So they ran, they, yes, they ran out of time. They were legitimately inside the 10, I want to say, for like six plays. Really? Yeah. So, so they ran out of time, yes, but they didn't really run out of time. They failed to score. And like to, in that situation, to actually stop the other team, you got to force them to not pick up 10 yards in four downs. So you might as well play your normal defense and be aggressive. And if they are going to score, it's I, 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 by the way, every game I joke that you should let the other team score. Like literally every game, I, I at some point tweet, let them score to get the Packers the ball back because I have no faith Patton's defense will stop them. You'd be surprised how many people take it seriously every time I do it. Like sometimes, the, sometimes the other team will have the ball at like their own twenty yard line, and I'll say it, and I'll still get yelled at by people. I am kidding when I do that, mostly. Um, but like, oh, man. okay, so here, uh, nineteen seconds left when Panthers called their third timeout. Okay, it's third and four. Zadarius neutral zone infraction. Third and one incomplete. Fourth and one uh, incomplete penalty on Preston Smith for offsides. Okay. Uh, eight seconds remain. First and two on the two yard line. Incomplete. Second and two. Four seconds left. Okay. So they had they passed on second down, they would have had time for probably one more play. One more play. All right. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, that was their that was the riverboat run. Go for it. <laughs> good good job, Ron. Um, <laughs> fun oh, fun man. coaching decisions. So that's good. It was at least good for that. Speaking of coaching decisions, uh, going for it at the end of the half instead of kicking a field goal. Yep. I like it. So I agree with that, and I also like it. However, I will say, and I think it was uh, Peter Bukowski who brought this up online before I could, and curse you for doing that, Peter. Um, It's not as clear cut at the end of a half like that because one of the benefits of going for it that deep is if you don't make it, um, the other team has to start at their own one-yard line. When other teams start at their own one-yard line, the defense is actually the most likely team to score next. So um, since the half is ending, you actually lose that benefit if you don't make it, which they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually does make it a much closer call. But um, here's just the, the math on it is, yeah, from the one, it's about the same as going for a two-point conversion. You're actually a little closer than a two-point conversion. Two-point conversions are successful about 47.5% of the time. From the one, you're probably looking at like 55 to 60%. Um, and you know, just because you have an over 50% chance, probably, and you get the benefit of the extra point, um, if you score a touchdown, your expected points are going to be higher than kicking a field goal, so you should do it. So I still sure. think the math checks out. I still I like... And you know we we joke about like oh it sends a signal to your team to that you believe in them and but whatever it kind of it does do that like I don't know how big of a tangible impact that has but I'm guessing if you're an offense you like to have your coach do that so that yeah. is helpful even if it's not that helpful. Um, so I brought up a what if scenario and I've just been incredibly lazy and have not felt like looking into it. Um. But I, I posed the question a few weeks back. I said, what, what's the win percentage of double-dipping uh, teams that score a touchdown before the And then the get the ball back. Get the ball at half and score again. Um, how, like, what effect that has on winning? Like, what percentage of teams have done that have won and what percentage have lost? That's a good uh, question. And it's, I would suspect that someone who's smarter than me, like Matt LaFleur, would know that. <laughs> probably so. And would probably say that, okay... Teams that that have a one score lead going into the half because they score and then score again to double dip to go up by two scores have a you know 
eighty something percent chance of winning. Right. Um, that would that would be my assumption. Uh, and I mean, that's is, we always compare that to like getting basically you get a turnover, you get an extra possession. Um, and if you can't, like, if you go, you have a lead already, you get that touchdown, you get the ball back, you get another touchdown, or maybe even a field goal. You know, knowing you already have the touchdown, the game is probably over. You're probably right. It it probably is like eighty percent. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so yeah, like that's just that's a, a question that I've asked yeah. out loud now, and I'm just I'm way too lazy to look that up, man. Yep. So as so much w- as I, I love Pro Football Reference, if anyone from PFRF listens, I, I browse your website multiple times a day. Uh, I have famously gotten Mike Daniels' nickname added to his <laughs> official nice job. Uh, listing, um, but there's no way I'm going to use their play-by-play search to to find that out. Indeed. So, like, by just uh, on that, if anybody, nobody is listening, but if they are from Pro Football <laughs> Reference, um, I think you guys used to have Win WPA on there. You have it for baseball. Um, it seems to be gone and have been replaced by EPA. But uh, WPA did used to be on there. That's what I thought. So, like, because because guys on on the NFL subreddit used to talk about the biggest win percentage play. Yeah. Like, like if, if the, the Packers have a 30% chance to win, Rodgers completes this long bomb, they now have a 92% chance to win, let's let's break that play down. Right, so, uh, like, EPA is definitely on there in its place, and EPA is fine, um, and honestly, WPA, is, I, I can see why they would take it off, because WPA in football is kind of stupid in that it goes just way crazy at the end of games, where everything is way more impactful, but... I still want to see it because third downs have big WPA swings that are different than EPA. Um, and like, it's useful to know where those super high leverage plays are and how much they were impacted. And I know that you can get WPA using NFL scraper. Um, and I do that occasionally, but I don't want to do it every week just for that. And it was used so convenient. <laughs> Please bring it back. It was nice. Please bring it back. Yeah. Um, also, something that I want to bring up real quick, um, because there are no longer any unbeaten teams, the uh, official uh, Reddit Wheel of Parody uh-huh. is coming out sometime soon. I absolutely love it. Um, anytime that there is uh, a t- no teams with, with losses and no teams with uh, zero wins, um, they do a Wheel of Parody, so-and-so beat so-and-so, which means so-and-so so beat, beat so-and-so. So-and-so, okay. To, to get and, to get it one over the okay that's yeah that's good uh, um, not not parody parody. I, parody yes I got it very very clever all right should we move on to questions yeah and let's let's start with um, since we just talked about nerdy things and um, let's start with Jeremy Nachman who wants the the early two point conversion that Ron Rivera did um, explained in terms of why you would do that and sure. uh I actually want to uh, just real quick. WPA is win percentage added, um, and EPA is expected points added. They're slightly different. Um, win percentage added, it goes crazy at the end of games because um, if it's a close game, one play can like hugely swing a team's chances of winning. So it could be like from twenty percent to ninety percent very quickly, which makes it kind of useless, but also kind of fun. So that's a lot. Well, like if if there's a if it's fourth and ten, and and you convert okay let's look at uh the um the bears game the the famous julius peppers <clears throat> is chipped by by uh uh john coon yep and rogers throws a touchdown to cobb i think that might have been 
the biggest win percentage added play of the year for the Packers. And it was legitimately like a 70% chance bump. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I, I would also wager that the, uh, the Rodgers Hail Mary and the play that preceded it um, to extend the game against the Lions probably was like literally a zero to 100% in two it plays. Was, I, I think that was, uh, it was like three to a hundred percent. Okay. Um, <laughs> good on that three. <laughs> so anyway, um, in terms of w- what do you do? Why did, why did Riverboat Ron Rivera go for two points? Um, so early, um, when the Panthers by kicking the extra point could have been down seven. So here's why in a nutshell. And you are assuming a lot of things when you do that. Um, but the main reason you do it is, let's say you just kick the extra point and you're now seven points down and you score at the end of the game and you can either go for two to win it or you can kick the extra point to tie it and go to overtime. So um, if you go to kick that extra, overtime is the big thing here. So if you kick the extra point and go to overtime, you've you got a 50-50 chance of winning in overtime. So anything you do that involves overtime um, is going to cut your chances of winning in half by 50%. So um, that's reason A, you go for two. It, at some point, is to avoid the 50-50 in overtime. Now, we mentioned earlier, your chances of making it going for two are only about 47.5%. So um, that's for an average team. There's also, you know, there's a little bit of wiggle room in there, depending if you're a good offense against a bad defense, whatever. But think of it this way. Um, you want, you're on the road, weather's kind of bad, um, and you want to avoid the 50-50 overtime coin flip. Um, so if you go for two earlier, if you make it, you're in great shape. You score again, you kick the extra point, you're up, you win. Um, if you miss it, you at least are early enough, and th- this is why people go for two early, this way you should, you know that you've missed it. And so you know what you got to do to fix the situation. Um, if you get into it later, you can go for two again and fix the situation. Um, maybe time is longer than you think, and you can make a field goal in there, or you can play for that specifically. But the bottom line is, you've missed. if you miss the two-pointer at the end of the game, you lose. If you miss it early, you can still fix it. And so that's why you do it, because it gives you the knowledge available to you know right or wrong that happens to you, and if you make it, then you're playing with house money and you can go and win the thing outright. So um, that's really what it comes down to. And when people say you should go for too early, it's always that knowledge that you, you, you think you're going to need it to at some point. And if you do, you should do it earlier so that if you fail, you can fix the failure. You still have time to adjust your strategy. That's really it. So thanks, Jeremy. There we go. Oh, um, I guess there was one thing that we forgot to mention oh, before what's that? moving on to questions. The Zadarius Smith arrest video. Oh yeah, we got to talk about that. It uh, goes with our meme of the week too. Because I watched all uh, thirty-five minutes of it, and um, at one point, Zadarius gives the police officer his uh, his address, including a zip code that's incorrect. And so the officer uh, pulls out his phone and starts googling uh, Green Bay zip codes to try and assess what Zadarius's actual yep. zip code is, um, which I don't blame him. I guess Green Bay has, I don't know, like three or four zip codes, and uh, he didn't know which one was his. So the officer pulls out his phone. It's his personal phone. And when he hits the Google search bar, his recent search history pops up. And this was filmed on a GoPro, and a GoPro has a horizontal um, rotating shutter. 
it's how you get that uh, <laughs> like a, like a helicopter that looks like it's it's wing, or its rotors are all warped right and his phone is moving side to side so the picture's not terribly clear however clear as day yep. one of his recent searches is two words dominant male that is correct dominant male now i did have one person say that it was likely related to the uh the dog that was part of the isis raid oh interesting okay um he he said that one of the other search terms looks like the word belgian okay which is the breed which is the breed of dog okay um but so i i personally went back and tried to recreate the thumbnails that appear so in in google your search history also includes thumbnails right if if i search for like the word dog there's going to be a picture of a dog like a thumbnail next to the, the search history so i went and searched for the words that he told me they looked like and my thumbnails were vastly different than the ones that appeared on this phone okay but this police officer had recently searched for the word dominant male. Yeah, yep. When you search for the word dominant male with your safe search on, yep. it is all guides on how to be a more dominant person, how it to is. assert yourself, how to appear less um, uh, inward, like, like how to be an alpha. Right. If your safe search is off, it takes you to a very specific brand of pornography. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, whether or not it was a nefarious search, that's super weird for a cop to be searching. Yes, it, it is. It, it looks bad in context. Uh, there's really... The, so the the dog, that that's a good spin. I had not heard that before. That is, you know, fairly logical. That was the only, that was the only rational spin. Yeah. Um, I found out that there are a lot of bootlickers in Packers Twitter that day. <laughs> um, yeah however um one great response that i got was um well he just pulled one over <laughs> oh god yes and uh that tweet was liked by zadarius himself then oh. was immediately unliked okay <laughs> i don't know so, I, I don't know what to think of that <laughs> so zadarius Saw my tweet. Yeah, I did. Read the responses and accidentally liked one of them. <laughs> and then immediately unliked it. <laughs> so, um, I, I, would, I would love to get his take on the situation. Um, the Outside of that one little minor detail, um, the officers were actually very... Um, uh, how can I put it? I'm not going to say fair because your car smells like weed is, in my opinion, not reason to search. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, totally understood, but, you know. Cordial. That's the word I'm looking for. Okay. Cordial. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, honestly, as far as traffic stops of this nature go, it went pretty free of incident. So. That, <laughs> well, do you remember, do you remember the, the piece of advice my defense attorney friend gave me? Yeah, I do. Only, only break one law at a time. Yep. And if you got weed on you, don't do don't 80, 80. 80. Yep. That's <laughs> that's the bigger scandal. <laughs> anyway, good phone sleuthing. Good good identification of the dominant male search. Uh, well, I will I will always if if you give me access to your search history, I'm gonna scrub it. And I'm gonna judge. <laughs> because what person doesn't clear their search history or use incognito? Yep. 
as all of our listeners leave to go do that right now. Um, <laughs> there's, there's been this, this running joke among my friends that we all have a designated person who knows our passwords. So if we die, they'll go and clear our search. Oh, yeah. that's, that's been a thing for a long time. That's <sighs> since paper, actually. I think there's an episode of coupling about it. Coupling? Yeah. Don't think I've seen it. It's a British show that Friends is... Well, either Friends is based off it or it's based off Friends. I forget which. It doesn't matter. Oh, fair enough. It's actually... It's it's a decent... This is too much already. Decent show with a few classic episodes. Very British. (laughs) That's fine. Moving on. There is an episode where they have a pact to get rid of one character's pornography, but it's actually a bunch of magazines and stuff. So, um, anyway, let's see. Question. Yes, back to questions. Um, let's see. So, let's see. Oh, this is. I, I like this one. Um, wh- which Smith do we think's been better? Um, I think uh, <laughs> in terms of raw sacks, it's been Preston, but in terms of QB pressures, it's been Zadarius. So I would take Zadarius. Okay, um, I agree with all of that, except I think I lean Preston a little bit just for uh, well-roundedness. So fair enough. Um, but they're the the bottom line is they're pretty much equally good and they also feed off each other really well. So um, I'm fine um, continuing to treat them as it, as one unit. Zadarius himself said that he would much rather have 120 pressures than he would 12 sacks. Smart. I like that. I like that too. That's a smart. That's a smart pass rusher. Yeah. Oh, I didn't say who that was from. That was that was uh, that was JD Igniter kid. So long long time friend of the show. Uh, <laughs> friend of the show. We have we have one from um from J.R. Radcliffe. Um I, I think he's new, but he says first time, long time. Um do we still want the Packers to have home field advantage in the playoffs? A few years ago, the prevailing sentiment was that a dome environment served the Packer offense more than January in the North Pole. Um how would this offense fare? Um hmm. This would okay, well I mean um this offense just proved that it can succeed in the frigid north. Yep. But we did also see arguably Aaron Rodgers' best performance in Atlanta. Also in 2010. Yeah. So, so uh, I don't know. Would you rather have Magic Rodgers or a functional offense? I think this team is better suited to play in Lambeau late than it has been in a long time. Um, Fair enough. I still think they're probably better in a controlled environment. Um, as I mean, most teams are probably better in a controlled environment, but McCarthy's teams have not been good when outdoors um, for a while. They definitely lost a couple of decent Super Bowl opportunities when they had to face the Giants in terrible weather. Um, just they can't lean on running when it goes to crap, and um, for for some reason, I mean, the passing game just was really hurt by that, um, and so. Now they have a good power line, good power running, and I, I do think that the sort of trickery they employ now plays a little better when the footing's bad. Mm-hmm. It was not a great game for that against Carolina. I wish they would have shown up a little bit more. I would answer this definitively yes then. But yeah. um, I think I think the Lambeau advantage will probably be there a little more than it used to be, and I'm just trying to, in my head, go through like potential opponents that you would face. Um, I, I do kind of think like... Well, I don't know because San Francisco is sort of similar in ability to run the ball, and I think San Francisco is coach. an incredibly similar team. So full stop. I don't, yeah. So I don't think it matters where you play them because they're going to be very similar. 
I, I suspect Lambeau helps you against Seattle, um, who is just kind of a mess outside of Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and they got I, a decent defense and Russell Wilson. And, yeah, and I do think weather hurts your improvisation a little bit. Um, For sure. So, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but probably helps against Dallas. Um, although, I, I, they're not even first. That stupid division, I can't even keep straight. It changes all the time. Um, oh, the Saints. Uh, definitely probably an advantage against the Saints. So, yeah, I kind of like them. <laughs> All the time. Well, uh, the, the NFC East is full of crap, and like the Eagles are going to win it, right? Like, yes, they're a mess and um, can't stop anybody's passing game, but nobody else can get out of their own way. And um, Doug and Peterson's got, smart enough that he'll figure it out. So, and and uh, the Packers' remaining opponents include two NFC East teams. Yep, it, that they got the Giants and they got the Washingtons. Oh God, the Dan Snyder's. Yep, the the the, the worst team in the league. You tried Miami, really, but you couldn't get there. I think I think Miami is so bad that they failed at tanking. <laughs> like it, it recursively got came back around. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, so they are they are negatively bad. They're negative. Okay. All right. Let's let let's do a couple more questions and then we can uh, let's see. Strap it in for oh, the bottom um, here. One thing I would like to to kind of circle back yep. to about the um, built to play a certain way. Uh, some of the trickery involved in the offense was run through the 21 personnel, also known as Pony, uh, brought up by Ben <laughs> Fennell this week in a great piece for The Athletic. Um, there were a lot of fake screens to one running back that ended up being a screen to the other. Uh, for example, Williams' touchdown against the Vikings. Oh, yeah. A, yep. a fake screen to Jones that Rodgers sold very well. <clears throat> um, and then Williams had a wide-open run into the secondary. And there's no way a safety is going to stop him with a full head of steam. And I think that you're right in the the poor footing. You can't really employ that kind of trickery. I just also really wanted to say trickery for about four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> trickery, trickeration. <laughs> oh, God. What was it that Jerry Glanville used to say? Or no, not Jerry Glanville. Um, uh, the coach for the Chiefs during the Super Bowl, Super Bowl one and two. Or one and... Uh, Three, I whatever. do not know. You always, you're matriculating the ball down the field. Oh, yeah, matriculating. All right, oh, let's sorry. I've see. Had, I've had a couple two, three adult pops at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's all good. Um, <laughs> so we got uh, PJ Wessels. Did the Seahawks provide any blueprint, even a partial one, for beating the 49ers? Uncertainty yeah. preceded the Carolina game. I can't imagine there'll be less of it for the Niners. Also, what are your bye week plans? Um yep. Here's how you beat the 49ers. You yeah. drop three game ceiling interceptions. Yep. And then you have the most raggedy, just awful <clears throat> series of plays going on in overtime, and then magically you'll win. Yeah, I that game, I don't think, provided a blueprint for much of anything. <laughs> that game, that that game, game was went, three hours of yakety sack. Everybody should burn the tape on that whole game. Uh, I, I mean... Just in terms of the 49ers, they have not had a very difficult schedule so far. Um, even when you adjust for opponents, they've been very, very good. I, I think they're good, but I don't think Garoppolo is actually all that good. Um, their their defense is good, but it's it's actually showing up some weaknesses against running games lately. Um, so they're not like some all-world best-ever team, and they've been scary the first half, but I don't think they're quite as good as it's shown them to be. Um it, it's probably just treat them like Garoppolo is, you know, a young, inexperienced quarterback. 
um, get pressure, get interceptions, don't get behind so they can run on you. Same as a lot of teams. So that game didn't show you anything. There's no blueprint there. That's that. There's a stupid Seahawks game that they always win in prime time, where everybody plays like trash, and then Russell Wilson does some magic garbage that's not even his. Like that, he shouldn't even have had the chance to do because he screwed up earlier. <laughs> yeah, um, There's, that is the to me that is the definition of falling ass first into a victory. Absolutely, like they didn't. Nobody earned that victory. That should have been every game should have ended in a tie. It was that one. Uh, yeah, nobody deserved. <laughs> nobody deserved anything. Team should have lost. It yeah. Was bad. Um. So uh, Jerry Eldred asks, "Is David Bakhtiari hurt?" Which I think we've answered every week. Which is yes, he is. Um, I broke my back. Yeah, My so he had he was actually listed on the injury report earlier this year with a back injury, and he hasn't reappeared since then. But injury reports are funny that they're they're actually somewhat technical in that if you are 100 percent going to play, you're not supposed to be on the injury report. Teams obviously do flout that, um, but Bakhtiari is pretty clearly hurt. Um, he's not old enough to be in decline. And that back is worrisome. You know how back injuries are. They they linger. Um, mm-hmm. They never really go away once you have one. You know, you can get better, but you can't get all the way better. Um, so he's probably hurt. And, yeah, I would expect if he has time to get healthy, he'll probably be back to his own self. Maybe the bye will be enough time. Who knows? But, yeah, it's been an unfortunate season for Bakhtiari. He's better than this, and I do think... It's a little bit of a raw deal for him that I think he is injured and can't do much about it. So, would you say that he hurt his Bach? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I would say that. <laughs> I'm terrible. I apologize. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, we should take Andy's question so that we remember to mention him. Um, mention? Uh, you mean mention Andy Schaff? I do mention mean mention Andy Schaff. So um, his question is: If Tim Boyle, as is, was currently added to the Wisconsin Badger roster. Would they be a top four playoff team? Um, uh, a good question. Um, when I first read it, my initial instincts were Tim Boyle is not a good quarterback, so no, of course not. But he's played for an NFL team now for a while, and he's played in real games, and he's much more physically talented than all of the Badger quarterbacks, and especially Jack Cohen, who is the current starter. And he's got a just a rocket for an arm and he's a big guy. So that I kind of think they would, <laughs> which is, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure of that because I'm not sure Tim Boyle's, if you, if you put Tim Boyle back in college now, like how good would he be? Like, uh, I, I like, I would love to see this happen. I know it can never happen, but so he's like, you know, in the worst tier of quarterbacks in, in the NFL, like he's basically a third stringer, barely second stringer. He's not good. Um, he was not great in college. <laughs> what does what a couple of years of NFL development do for you if you go back to college? Like, is it that big a deal? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I truly know nothing about college football. So that's, <laughs> this is where JR would be really useful. Yeah, he would. He would. Um, <laughs> uh, well, well, maybe we'll get his take and get it in later or something because I'm actually kind of curious. I, Tell I, you what, if, if you, the listener have reached this point in the podcast <laughs> and you are a strong uh, watcher of Wisconsin football and you have a Tim Boyle take, be sure to at both Paul and I with your yes or no Tim Boyle would help. Yeah. And, and not, not just help, but get him into the playoffs. So you got to beat Ohio flip, state, not lose to Illinois flip side. Yep. Uh, 
would uh, JT improve the Packers running back room? Um, like, yeah, I think so. Um, and it's, well, I mean, it's, it would improve it because there are more than two running backs there. Um, there's actually, is Dexter still on the roster? I actually forgot to check. I don't believe so. Is he not? Okay. Well, okay. Or, or he's, I don't know if he's been covered. He's been inactive a lot. All right. So maybe not. Um, I think he's, uh, yeah, he would. He's better than Jamal. Um, I, I'm. I'll go. I'll go out and say that he's, he's maybe Dexter's not better than Aaron. The Green Bay Packer, so he's. What's that? Dexter has Dexter still listed as a Packer. Okay. Um, not listed as a free agent, so yeah, he's still on the team. Well, okay. Well, Jonathan Taylor's much better than him, so yes, he would improve it. <laughs> okay. And he's better than Danny Vitale too, so that's fine. <laughs> well, it's a different question though, because running backs are are better younger. Like it, it, this, it's different because like quarterbacks like. If if we were asking this about Tim Boyle, the running back, he would have like gotten beat up for three years in the NFL. He was never that athletic to start, so you know he would not necessarily help out a college team. <laughs> but Tim uh, Boyle, the running back, <laughs> yeah, but but like Tim Boyle, the quarterback, is a different story because you're learning like mental tasks and like how to read defenses and things like that. So that actually does help you. Um, it's just just weird. Uh, yeah, who so knows? Be I don't sure know. you, the listener, at Badger Noonan. Well, Call me Matub. Let us know well, your take yeah. On we'll him. try and make it happen. Um, we'll try and get Tim Boyle on the Badgers and see what happens. Um, <laughs> oh man, I used to love when uh, Brett Favre would walk up to his coaches and go, "Hey man, you got any eligibility left?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. All right, so here, let's do. Oh, here's here's a, a question from um, this very handsome lad uh, named Matt. Oh, who uh, shot Jr. Um, so since he's at Hamilton, it's Aaron Burr. You would oh, think man. it would be whoever shot him in Dallas, but it's not. Dang it. Sorry. Who did shoot him in Dallas? I'm too young for that. I, I, I didn't watch Dallas. I, I don't know. I know at one point Patrick Duffy was made not dead anymore in that show. That's as much as I know about it, though. Yeah, that's how it ends. The, um, the, she wakes up and, and JR is in the shower. Huh, all right. So technically no one shot him. Uh, my favorite answer to this so far is uh, Fart McDuty shot JR. <laughs> of course he did. That's from Jonathan Beal. All right. We're going to do, let's do like two more because I want to do rubies real quick and then let's get out of okay. here. Um, let's see. Do you, I, I, I didn't look into this. I might save it. Yeah, let's save this one for next week. Um, Ryan Ziegler, who's your free agency must add? I got to look at who the free agents are. I haven't done that yet. Well, they um, really need a pass. Ra- wait, no, they don't. No, they don't. They need, uh, well, they re- they really need a rake. Gar- oh, wait, no, no, they don't. <laughs> um, Basically, I got to look at receivers. So, honestly, yeah. I think yeah, I think it's a receiver. I think it might be a tight end. I'll I'll um, run wide receiver OPS in the the off week here and and see who looks like a good potential pickup. But, uh, are there any um, three down? inside linebackers that are expected to be free agents? I don't know. Um, probably, because the NFL doesn't consider them that valuable. So I would I would say that. Okay. Um, that works. Like, I, I saw there was an interesting thing going around on Twitter today, and it was like, if you could pull one player off of uh, each team in the NFC North, yep. who would you pull? And uh, there was actually a few non-Khalil Mack answers. For the Bears? The- yeah. Why? Um, uh, they said they would pull Roquan mm. because the Packers already have the Smiths 
and they they think that Roquan would be more of an upgrade to the defense than Mac. I just yeah, I disagree. Mac is is. I see. Okay, I see your point. It's not totally an insane thing to say because yes, the Smiths are. Oh, by the way, not my point. Not my point. Uh, That's (laughs) fine. So whoever you are who wanted Roquan over Khalil Mack, I I don't think it's totally insane. Um, Though I would not personally do it myself. Um, so. I, I also think it, it it might also be if you look at it from the realistic standpoint that you could uh, have Roquan under contract and then have the fifth year option, mm, and you true. wouldn't have to absorb max cap hit. All right, e- even less insane. So yeah, Good but, call. but that's in a world where somehow this is a real thing. Yep. <laughs> so okay, let's do one more, and then we'll do rubies, and then we're getting out of here. So uh, or, I do. Or, oh, what's that? We, are we gonna do Kurtz? Uh, we gotta do Kurtz too. Okay. Two more questions. Let, uh, so we're gonna this one, then Kurt, then Ruby, then we're done. So Brett Valentine, because I think this is, uh, it, I actually don't know the answer to this. Who's your um, Who's your little over midseason Packers MVP, offensive and defensive? Uh, Danny Vitale. No, good choice. I think offense is tough because Aaron has not been that great, and you can give it to Aaron Jones, but I don't like giving running backs things and. Devontae yeah. missed so much time, and the rest of the receivers were bad, and Bakhtiari's been bad. So, I think Brian Bulaga. It might be Brian Bulaga. <laughs> I think that's a good pick. Um, yeah. I, I think I'd probably go with Brian Bulaga. So, here's my dark horse, Elton Jenkins. That's a good pick too. Um, I do like that. So basically, someone on the offensive offensive line is a good pick. Great. Um, yeah, I think I do go Bulaga. He's been pretty dominant and healthy, um, and we should respect that. <laughs> and he's only been one or, or two, one of those two things. Recently. Yeah. Indeed. So, um, I think we actually agree on that one. What about defense? Um, defensive MVP? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we count the Smiths as one Same MVP. as the Smiths question? Okay. Um, but I would also <laughs> say that the, the Packers defense completely took a big old dookie after Savage was out hurt. Yep, that is also true. So it's it's either if you can count the Smiths as one entity, I give it to them. If not, Savage. Yeah, I think it's a Smith, but uh, I'm not sure about Savage. I got to see a little bit more before I go. I go all the way there. I'm uh, just I'm going fully off yeah. of correlation is causation. I also say you can make a decent case for King, and I know people have been down on him, but they're uh, they're number two in DVOA against second receivers, which is what he usually covers. And mm. he's been pretty good, not perfect. Uh, the Smiths are Smiths are the answer, but um, King's been better in that secondary than I think people realize because he shows uh, up on tape a lot. Mean, uh, number twenty in your programs, number one in your hearts, aka not TJ Watt. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's do Kurt's question now. Okay, so Kurt's. I, I, I'm not necessarily going to answer Kurt's question because he's fishing for a direct answer. <laughs> but I would like to talk about the rabbit hole that it led me down in the pre-show. So Kurt Hogg, uh, friend of show, fellow podcaster. Uh, also asked, also uh, Journal Sentinel reporter. Also with Jack. Uh, asked, uh, which non-football Wisconsin sports head coach in major college and pros would be best if forced to take over for LaFleur for the rest of the year? You said he was fishing for a... What, what, what was it specifically? Well, my answer is going to be Mike Budenholzer, but yeah, I don't and, know what he was fishing for. Uh, and well, you said that's what it had to be because baseball doesn't count. I think. So <laughs> my answer was going to be Mike Budenholzer because 
Um, football is a very fast-moving sport, and we can't pick a football person for this, per the rules of the question. Um, but baseball is very laid back. Your, your decisions don't have to be like bang-bang. You usually get some time to think about it and plan. So as much as I like Craig Council, he's not the answer. Um, basketball is at least a fast-moving game where you have to make quick decisions, and you don't have to coach a lot in it. Players take care of a lot of that. But I do think you'd be able to slip in better coming from basketball than from baseball. And I don't want to talk about like Wisconsin college hockey. So um, that's my answer. So uh, good answer. Thanks. Uh, I Googled Wisconsin sports so I could find an obscure. Oh God. I just activated my Google home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so I I searched for um, Wisconsin sports teams so I could find some like, like obscure coach. And I was originally going to use the green Bay blizzard, which is an indoor football team, but then remembered it was football which this led me to uh, a team known as the Milwaukee Badgers, which is a team I had never heard of, and I don't think you had either. Nope. Um, they were an NFL team between 1922 and 1926, uh, most famous for the 1925 Chicago Cardinals scandal. <laughs> which is? Uh, basically, in 1925, um, the NFL championship was determined very similarly to the way a college championship is or was prior to the, the playoffs uh, with a poll mostly based on record. And the, uh, the Maroons were the front runners of the league at uh, nine and two and Chicago wanted to get a better, uh, a better record. So they paid a team of high schoolers to suit up as the Milwaukee Badgers and kick the ever living <laughs> crap out of them. <laughs> so, uh, the Milwaukee Goodness. Badgers, coached by Johnny Bryan, lost 58 to nothing to the Chicago Cardinals, who eventually finished the season at 11-2-1, um, giving them the 1925 NFL championship over the Maroons. Um, and then the Maroons, in a very uh, UCF fashion, made <laughs> their own NFL championship trophy. That's amazing. I want that it, trophy. It, it, it's a chrome football that says Pottsville Maroons NFL and World Champs 1925. <laughs> and World. <laughs> <laughs> it says NFL and World Champs. That's great. It's like Michael Scott made that trophy. So, uh, yeah, so the uh, 1925 NFL champion Chicago Cardinals, which... Um, is that the team that became the Bears? No, it's not. They were uh, they played simultaneously. They they're they're still the Cardinals. That's the same Cardinals. So they uh, in 1959 they moved to St. Louis. Yep. And then in 1987 they moved to Phoenix. Yep. So um, I guess do the do the Arizona Cardinals claim that NFL championship? I assume they do. In the, in the way that the the Green Bay Packers are 13 time champions. Yep. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't. Championships. League championships, two. Yes, it is yeah. listed. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals list 1925 as one of their NFL championships. All right. So, uh, listen here, Kurt Warner. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's riding in the coattails or, of beating up high school kids. Carson Palmer or other Arizona quarterbacks I can't think of. <laughs> Tim Tupa. <laughs> Was Tupac an Arizona quarterback? He was. He's in Tecmo Super Bowl. He's their backup to Tim Rosenbaugh. Oh, okay. Or Tom Tupa, sorry. This Tim. has been this has been a, a Tupa heavy week. You and yeah. I have discussed Tupa multiple times. Well, he's a fascinating character. A he is. Multi-position player. He went both ways. 
We should do a whole mini pod on Tupa. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, he was also a punter in addition to being a quarterback, which is very unusual for many reasons. So, um, and and uh, played in place of Vinny Testaverde. Yep. Through two touchdown passes. Great story. Yes. All right. Last question. <laughs> we what? are completely off the rails. Yeah, we're done. Let's get out of here. Last question. What Disney Plus content are you most excited about? Um, it was The Simpsons until I found out the aspect ratio is wrong on the first eight sim- uh, first eight seasons of it, which is super annoying. Oh, no. You, is it stretched? It is stretched, and you can't see a bunch of jokes when they do that. So hopefully they Aww. fix it like FX eventually did. But that's very, very obnoxious. They took out all the commentary. Uh, by the way, it went away on FX like as soon as it started on Disney+. Plus without wow. commentaries, without um, aspect ratio. So that's all very obnoxious. However, um, I am looking forward to DuckTales, the modern one, and all Disney afternoon shows, which are all there, um, from Gummy Bears to Tailspin to Rescue Rangers to Darkwing. Um, and also, I like the Tron movies for no good reason, even though they're terrible, so I'm glad I can watch those whenever I want now. I also like the Tron movies. Um, my original answer, it's funny, um, this, is, this is a perfect generational divide here. The, the, the Gen X versus the Millennial. <laughs> My answer is Disney Channel original movies. Um, Brink, Johnny Tsunami, Luck of the Irish. Uh, absolutely psyched to be able to rewatch those. I, I personally own Smart House on DVD. I don't so know what watched. any of these things are, by the way. I've never um, heard of any of them. So when, when I was in middle school through high school was when Disney Channel made movies huh, specifically all right. for the Disney Channel. Um, they're all great. I highly recommend watching Brink. They're terrible. They're terrible, terrible pieces of cinema. Understood. They are they are entertaining. Brink is about inline skating. Oh man, uh, I uh, love Johnny movies Tsunami. about inline skating. Johnny Tsunami is about a guy from Hawaii who moves to some place where they're snowboarding. Okay. Um, so it's a fish. Out- they're basically all fish out of water. Got it. Going through puberty stories. Uh, there's one quite literally where a guy goes through puberty and turns into a mermaid. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Disney Channel original movies, Smart House is actually kind of Orwellian, and it sounds like it. Highly recommend watching it, um, especially under the guise of how everyone now has a smart house. Ah, all right. And this movie is about how it could go horribly wrong. Um, Good it's recommend. Also, it's starring uh, what's her face from uh, uh, Married with Children. Katie Segal or Christine Applegate. Uh, Katie Seagal. She okay. plays she plays the smart house. Ah, gotcha. Um, but this evening, um, I was watching it with my wife and daughter, and all of the Pixar shorts are on there. Yeah, I did see that. That's very good. And and we have been watching all the Pixar shorts. She, uh, May, my daughter, loves 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 all the Toy Story shorts. So we will be for sure watching the Toy Story movies back to back to back. Nice. So that's what I'm excited for, is enjoying it with my daughter. Very cool. My kids like almost all the Pixar movies, so I'm glad I have free access to them, too. I'm I'm hyped. This is yeah. this is a good service. Yeah, looks good. Good selection. All hail Disney overlords. <laughs> we should go work for ESPN now. Just like Schefter <sighs> was tweeting out ads today. We should get paid for this. Oh, well. <laughs> I should at least get free ESPN+. Plus. Amen to that. All right, well... Okay. Let's let's wrap up. We, we're uh, it's time to go. Um, all right. Uh, all right um, so uh, I I think we'll have a bi week podcast next week. Um, we'll we'll see how we're feeling. We have a topic picked out. Um, we have to do some logistical work on making it happen. Um, 
let's see, uh, real, real quick plugs. I have a Shepherd Express column. It's out right now. Um, it, it, it involves some talk about the penalties that we talked about earlier, how big a factor they were, how bad it was, recap of the game, and that's what I got. Matt, anything to plug? Um, no, the last thing I wrote was last week's Wednesday walkthrough on Acme Packing Company, huh. where I described my first time at Lambeau. Um, that was it. So, All right. No, make sure to follow me on social media at Call Me Matub. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at Matub Lifts if you want to see me do weak things. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's it. All right, cool. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We will talk to you again next week and on the mini pod. Woo. Theodosia writes me a letter every day. day, day. I'm keeping her bed warm while her husband is away. away. He's on a British side in Georgia. He's trying to keep the colonies in line. Well, he can keep all of Georgia. Theodosia, she's mine. Love doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes and we keep loving anyway.